Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello again, everybody. Welcome back uh, to episode, I can't remember, of this season <laughs> of Wild Wild Podcast. I know uh, we must be up to like episode eight or nine because I threw in a couple of bonus ones that have confused the counting. This is film number eight, however. I know that much. Yes. Um, so, hi, my name is Adrian. Uh, welcome. If you're listening for the first time, then thank you for coming along. If you're back for more than you know why but also thank you and i've am of course joined as ever by my loyal and patient co-host rod barnett hello rod hello adrian how have you been doing well yeah all good and uh, of course you and i after talking about it on at least the last two episodes finally recorded our um, long-awaited commentary track for another italian classic Mm-hmm. But we still can't say what it is. So I <laughs> know we've still not been given the go ahead to speak about no. it. Yes, <laughs> but I'm I'm fairly confident it's going to be announced in about a month, ah. um, and I think people will be excited. Well, let's 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 get people excited and tell them one one little detail that I think we can get away oh, with. Okay. Yeah, it is an Italian Gothic. There's that. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean that that narrows it down. It's certainly yeah, one to, that, to, to roughly a hundred films. Yeah, <laughs> it's certainly one that you know we've been crying out to be uh, to 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 be restored. So it's very exciting. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, the only other sort of brief bit of news that I had. It's not even that personal, but I just wanted to mention uh, how exciting it is that Radiance Films, a new label here in the UK. Uh, who I did an interview. It's the guy that runs Radiance. He used to work for Arrow, and he's now got his own label. And I interviewed him for Cinema Retro a couple of months ago. Uh, but just recently, they announced a full restoration and lovely edition of the horrible Doctor Hitchcock. I can't even speak. The horrible Doctor Hitchcock, which again another Gothic Italian film that's been waiting for a restoration for forever. True. I'm I'm going to assume you're a fan of that one. Oh yeah, definitely. There have been uh, previous releases of it, but none of them have been satisfactory. In that, apparently, right. each each version I'm aware of has been uh, compromised in some way or another. So oh. this this yeah. new version is is very exciting. Yeah, it's going to have um, three different versions of the film all in one uh, release, and um, new essays and commentaries and all that good stuff. So yeah really excited for that i have to confess as so often on this podcast i've never actually seen the horrible dr hitchcock oh wow um, really no well it's again it's like one of those films i've read a lot about and but then i've heard that there's not really a very decent version so i just i always think well there will be eventually and hey ho here there is so it means <laughs> i get to watch it for the first time on this new um 
restoration blu-ray premiere so i wonder if i i consider myself lucky or unlucky to have you know to have watched it way back when when i had no idea that whatever version i was watching was not you know the you know the uncut or the one with the proper Mm. editing or whatever i just i i just you know stumbled headfirst into it like i did with so many other films at the times yeah because there's there's a version there's an export version uh which is 87 minutes long there is an american version which is 76 minutes long and there is also an English dub of the Italian cut um, with a different title. So, yeah, really intriguing. Yeah, it's not out till October, but I'm pretty um, pretty thrilled that that is one of the big titles. A bit like the one that you and I have just been involved with, but this is another big one that mm-hmm. you know has, has needed to be done by somebody for years. So, anyway, that's about the only bit of news I could think of to share in this episode. Is there anything that you've been doing recently that you can tell us about or want to talk about? Oh, I've just been concentrating on getting uh, the, the the various podcasts back on track. Uh, mm. I've I've uh, been been trapped in the uh, in the cycle of prepping and 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 getting ready for different commentary tracks, and so it's it's one of those things that yeah. tends to slow down the uh, the podcast production. And but back on back on track, but. Um, newest episode of the bloody pit will be out soon focusing on a film that many people will wonder why in the world we're covering king of kong island uh, <laughs> oh. uh cool. it's it's a very strange it's a very strange film like 20 percent jungle girl 20 percent mad scientist 20 percent jungle mercenary and uh 20 percent uh i don't know family melodrama it's it's a bizarre <laughs> film it doesn't make any but sense to, that adds to... up to 100 percent a film that rod likes <laughs> well i will say i was much more entertained by it than i thought i would be it's one of those that i had avoided for years uh, mainly because i didn't know there was a jungle girl in it and wow. uh Thanks. long long story short i'll tell you this if you took the jungle girl out it'd be the same movie so anyway oh. <laughs> and speaking of jungle girls of course we've uh, we've decided that's what we're going to do next um once we get this episode and the next two films done we're going to have a jungle girl mini season so yeah. that's definitely something to look forward to um and you know whether or not you're you've seen those or, or are fans of those I mean, i'm sure we've all seen at least one kind of jungle girl film over the years there are so many of them but we'll do our best to pick out some interesting ones (laughs) um so yeah that's coming up but let's get on to today's film which has a couple of titles um but the title that we are probably the most familiar with it uh is of course if you look at the home db it's very confusing so it's released on blu-ray under this title he says looking at the box to check uh, it's released on the Blu-ray under the name Warriors of the Year 2072. Yeah. Cue the Riz Ortolani theme. is really great by the way yeah it's, it's one of those things i was a little surprised to realize that it was riz ortolani uh because i'm so used to the stuff that he produced for other genres in uh the 60s and 70s but of course you know being a musician he moved with the times and yeah. th- this is um this is exactly the kind of score that i would expect from a film from this period and uh yeah it's it's insanely memorable it sticks oh, in your yeah. head it's pretty funky stuff. Um, I'm trying to. Persu- I'm going to persuade my son at some point to uh, take a sample and, and make something out of it. So maybe I'll get him to do that in time for 
when I edit this episode. But yeah, the music is great. And if you get the Blu-ray from Severin, it comes with a CD. Mm -hmm. So you Mm -hmm. get the whole score, which is pretty nice. But so I mentioned, um, yeah, so it's released on Blu-ray under the title Warriors of the Year 2072, which is uh, one of the many titles. You may also have seen this film. If you're in the UK and you're of the right age to have been renting videos in the 80s, then it was released by Medusa in 1983 under the name Rome 2033, the Fighter Centurions, which I believe, I believe Rome 2023 or Gladiators of 2023 was the working title um, anyway. Um, but it's also known as the New Gladiators. Yeah, that's the uh, title I originally saw it under. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's also Rome 2033, just on its own. Um, there's a, yeah, it's got kind of an interesting, but interesting that they would have two completely different years. Now, one of the theories that I've heard is that although originally it was 2033, which would have made the fact that some of their technology, like their motorbikes, you know, look pretty much like they're from the 80s. Um, so 2033, having it closer to the time they were making the movie would have been perhaps slightly more believable. But the theory is that the Colosseum in Rome was built in AD 72. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that somehow this film was about celebrating the 2000th anniversary of the Colosseum, which of course never gets mentioned anyway in the film. I know, I know. <laughs> so I'm not sure, but maybe that's the reason why the year was changed for some of the versions of the title. Um but who can say? Because I don't think there's actually a year even on the screen at any point. No, not that I not that I remember so at all. No, you're going purely off the title. Um, is this a film that you had some experience with going back? Yes, I don't know how, but I saw this sometime in the '80s. Uh, my vague memories of it uh, before catching back up with it on bootleg in the in the uh, in the '90s. Uh, was that I somehow saw this on video or on television or something. I wish I could remember exactly how, but I know I caught it because it stuck in my mind because of a number of the visuals, which, and of course, isn't that much of a shock, which puts yeah. this in the possible category of first Fulci film I ever saw without knowing what I was looking at, of course. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I can't be clear because the memories are so fuzzy. But the uh, the the reason that I was probably drawn to watch this is because of the uh, uh, the main actor the 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 actor who plays Drake Jared Martin mm. who yeah uh, so he I wasn't that familiar with him although he's got a kind of recognizable face but mm-hmm. look looking at his credits he was an American TV guy wasn't he oh yeah yeah his face was a regular sighting on network television throughout the 70s which is how i was aware of him because uh at the time that i'm pretty sure i saw this initially in my youth uh i was familiar with him because of a much missed and lamented short television series that he was a part of called the fantastic journey uh it 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 aired in uh, 1977 was short-lived it was a mid-season replacement there were only about 13 episodes of it produced and it became a fascination for me and probably most kids of my age i was nine when it was when it aired on television i was nine years old and so it stuck in my mind and it's one of those things that for years not understanding how these things work i just assumed surely this you know there were more episodes of the fantastic journey out there and that one day the show would return to the television so i could finish watching more and more of this more and more of this incredible television show that of course when i went back to watch it is still kind of interesting but you know when you're nine years old incredible yeah. television series are mm-hmm. not exactly the same as when you're well i don't know in your 20s or 30s yeah but um from that and just dozens of other television shows oh yeah that all, is, i mean all the all the big ones fantasy island incredible hulk six million dollar man charlie's angels like he's got these uh, a knight rider airwolf like he was just in all the cool shows magnum mm-hmm. pi love boat loads of stuff yeah <laughs> <laughs> not, he, not, you know, we're, we're getting pretty broad there with the, yeah. with the definition of, of but, cool but yes he did come back to fulci a few years later yeah for enigma yeah, which is interesting. So obviously they, considering Fulci's reputation, they must have got on a bit for him to consider coming back 
Like, I, I, he, I guess so. He he was yeah. uh, he was also well known because he was in uh, like more than thirty episodes of Dallas, which was of course uh, right. a massive hit. And yeah, so yeah. he he's one of those faces that I just uh, I always just assumed. And this is this is me not knowing anything in my youth about how these things worked. Is mm-hmm. you know, my thing was I, I just assumed that Jared Martin was also in like a zillion other things that I would just not seen. And then uh, <laughs> the fact that you know decades later I look back and go, wait a minute, where? Where did he go? And then yeah. to, to you know to learn that he still had a you know a, a vibrant career just wasn't as visible as I assumed yeah. it would be. But that's the thing. Uh, uh, he, he was what probably drew me to watching it on video in my teenage years. But you know the memories don't stick as hard as a lot of other right. things have. And he um, just about five years ago he directed a film starring Treat Williams. So he's yeah. still. Still active, but uh, well, he yeah he, he did. I think uh, Mr. Martin unfortunately did um, pass away in 2017. Oh, I see. Oh, oh Pan- right. yeah, so pancreatic was... cancer got him. One he was seven, last... he was 75. So yeah, one of the last things he did then. Yeah, I oh, see. Yeah, but um, yeah. Well, as we're on it, why don't we? I mean, we've talked about Fulci before, haven't we? We yes, we have. I mean, he was of course. He, he was on a very early episode of the podcast when we talked about our favourite um, Southern Italian comedy duo, Franco and Ciccio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we probably talked quite a lot about Fulci before. But, yeah, some other names in the cast worth mentioning, of course, is Fred Williamson. Yes. Um, who who seemed to just love the post-apocalypse genre. He's in a whole, so many of these films. Ah, he was in at um, least, like, four, maybe yeah. five? And obviously we talked about him with the Bronx Warriors. Um, but was there anyone else in the cast that you wanted to mention? We've got a couple of other returning guests in Al Cliver and Hal Yamanucci mm-hmm. um, as Akira, which, uh, again, he, he, does, he gets to do some cool stuff, a bit more karate, and then sadly gets killed off. Well, I'm, yeah, Al Cliver. You have to mention he has a he has a yeah. nice role in the film, and as is always true, spoiler alert: uh, Al Cliver never makes yeah. it to the final credits. No. So, <laughs> um, did you watch? There's a really interesting interview with him yes. on the Blu-ray, where I mean he's still around, which is good to know. And they shot it. They clearly shot it during lockdown because the interview's done out on the street outside his house. Mm-hmm. But he appears to have completely lost his voice now. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I, so, I I don't know exactly why that is. Yeah. I, but yeah, he's he's still the gregarious guy. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was really interesting, really funny. But yeah, the whole, the whole interview was done in a whisper, which is sad. But yeah, it was interesting. Just to you know, good to know that he's uh, still going. Um, but yeah, other people that are also returning. We've got Claudio Casanelli. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorites I, I love him in the Polizioteschi films especially but he's obviously just done so much good stuff uh, was it Mountain of the Cannibal God and, or is it Cannibals of the Mountain God <laughs> Mountain no, you, had it, you had it right yes, you... Island of the Fishman you know, so he's done loads of different genres um, I almost I didn't recognize him at first because I'm so used to seeing him in things like Suspicious Death of a Miner where he's got lighter hair and then in this film he's like his futuristic dark combed <laughs> forwards kind of hair and it was like that guy looks familiar and then it took me a little while to figure it out and I'm guessing this is around the same time he would have been shooting his role as Zeus in uh, Hercules yeah yeah for Luigi that, that was all around this sort of time um, anyone else you wanted to mention? I've got a, at least one more I want to talk well, about well I mean Donald O'Brien is, is somebody we probably ought to mention oh yeah Yes, um, we've seen it. Haven't we seen him before? Oh, in the pod well, on the podcast, has he been anything that we've covered? I can't. Oh, remember. You, you know, I think surely, surely we've talked about Donald O'Brien. Oh yeah, twenty twenty Texas Gladiators, of course. That's right, he was in that. Yeah, but he but was just people. You know, will, he's, he's, so, he's so he's been in so many movies that I've seen over yeah. the years repeatedly. So I mean, it's fair to say he's unrecognizable in this film. I know. His face is hidden behind a bunch of really rough makeup. Yeah, very, very hidden behind. Uh, I mean, you can see it's him if you know who what he looks like. But yeah. Yeah. And obviously he's had a very long and interesting career going right back to the you know, acting, I think probably as a kid. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, really interesting 
role uh, in this film that we'll... I don't want to give too many spoilers, but yeah, he's got a quite an interesting role. He, he, he basically... He's supposed to be um, like a mechanic, but I don't think we ever see him anywhere near a motorbike. He just kind of <laughs> talks about... He talks about how he's got to do some work on Drake's bike, but we never see any of that, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> uh, but anyway... The other person I wanted to mention was Eleonora uh, Brigliadori, who plays Sarah. And she's got her... You notice how both of the women in this film have very modern bobs. They've both got the same haircut, but one's blonde, one's brunette. But it's like the haircut of the future. And so Sarah's got <laughs> this blonde bob. Yeah. But she... I don't know how familiar or whether she looked familiar to you because I don't think she's been in anything else that either of us are likely to have seen. She's mostly done a lot of Italian television. No, she didn't um, ring it. She didn't ring a bell for yeah. me at all, I have to admit. Although she, the, just after she made this film, she did a film for Sergio Corbucci, which um, I think was a kind of uh, Italian sex comedy called Sono en Fenomeno Paranormale, um, which I think means we are... I am a... Pa- mm. I am a paranormal phenomenon is how I would read that. But anyway, but she's, I was re, so I was looking her up because I quite liked her performance in this and I wondered why I hadn't seen her in anything else. Um, and it turns out she's quite an interesting person. So mm. when she made this film, she was in her early 20s and a couple of years later, she was the cover model for Playmen, the Italian Playboy magazine. Mm. Okay. But then in 2007, she was sued because she painted a cliff on the coast of Sardinia, which she claimed she did for artistic purposes, apparently. So she'd painted some kind of mural on the side of a cliff. Okay. Uh, but then more recently, she's become um, one of these people who speaks out against science. Oh, um, no. she's been She's been publicly decrying chemotherapy and she advocates the uh, the Hamer method, which is there's this German physician who's basically this kind of physician who talks about pseudoscience and claims to be able to cure cancer and all this kind of stuff. And that diseases come from unsolved inner conflict, which um, is a little bit, there's a little bit of Scientology in that, I think. Oh my but yeah, Lord, so she's yeah. been speak, speaking out against science to do, to do with cures for cancer, basically. And she's been on TV shows in Italy and she apparently attacked a TV a reporter who was investigating her because of her alternative healing uh, so this is all within the last sort of 10 years uh, so oh my seems like she's gone a little bit um, off the deep end it, it does happen from time to time mm. but um, but yeah but the fact that she was a, a, a a playman model is interesting in the book that i've been using all through this uh, season after the world ends when apocalypse post-apocalyptic movies were telling the future there is a copy of the poster for this film uh, i think it's the french poster les mercenaries du futur and the poster has her lying on the floor holding a gun wearing the kind of super futuristic space bikini that I think even <laughs> Stella Star in Star Cash would say mm, that's a bit extreme. Like she's practically naked in this poster, which of course, which of course, is not in the film at all. She's very uh, professional, professionally dressed for her the role that she plays in this movie. Um, but on the poster, they've just got her as the sex appeal at the front, almost entirely nude except for a couple of stripes. <laughs> it's a little bit like she's wearing, you know. Um, Ah, uh, what's his name now? It's gone out of my head. Sasha Baron Co- Oh, Borat. You know Borat? Oh, yeah, the, the, the famous you know hysterical Borat, swimsuit. Yeah, yeah Borat's green um, mankini. It's like she's borrowed that off him, basically. And it's not, it's, yeah. So that's quite funny. Anyway, so that she's on the post. <laughs> so she was being used in the, some of the marketing as the sex appeal for the film. But the film is, um, there's no sort of sex or nudity in the movie at all. Um, just no. some no, 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 some yeah. kind of classic uh, Fulci violence. Um, 
but perhaps one other name to mention before we get into the plot is the one of the writers behind the film the one who claimed to have come up with the story was Dardano Sacchetti who I think we've talked about him many times before yes we have um, and there's a great interview with him on the disc as well which I watched where he talked about how there was not a lot of love for this film like neither him nor Fulci were that bothered I think is what he said they were not that fussed but originally and, 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 written... and you know what that's okay because i have enough yeah. love for it for both yeah of them, exactly so. it gets away with it so he wrote it originally as a satire on ad on advertising and how people were killing each other in sort of gladiatorial games that were all sponsored and things now he talked about this in the interview like he'd had this really original idea to do this and at the back of my mind, I was thinking, did he ever see the tenth victim for a start? <laughs> yes. Which did that exact same thing. But then also the obvious one is Rollerball, which at this film owes a great debt to. Oh, massive, massive debt to Rollerball. <laughs> um, I mean, and... right down to the casting of Jared Martin, who looks a lot like James Caan. Let's be clear. That's, that is absolutely yes. That I did. I was. That's it. Yes. I was thinking it was familiar, but yeah, you're right. Um, so he he seemed to be claiming to I think his main claim was to be able to do all that with gladiators I guess so maybe that was the original angle he was going for but because that was going to, what he wrote was too expensive he said that they that I don't know whose idea it was Fulci's idea possibly although there are other names attached including Elisa Briganti and Cesar Frigoni well remember uh, Elisa, Elisa Briganti was his wife so oh that's true yes um, somebody had the idea to make it a jello so he talked about how there were jello elements brought in to the film as well to help fill the running time but in a kind of cheaper way than some of the, the more expensive stuff that he'd written so I think that's why he went off the film and wasn't that bothered in the end and he felt that Fulci didn't care that much about it either But so yeah so you've got this film that's a post-apocalypse film can't I mean Stretching the definition of post-apocalyptic, I guess, because I don't think there's actually been an apocalypse. It's just the future. Yeah, it just That's... seems to be. This is the this is the one that doesn't feel as if it were taking place after some, you know, nuclear holocaust no. or you know, massive uh, massive contamination or horrible yeah. disease that you know wiped out no. a lot. This is just you know where however many decades further into the future, and this is how things have progressed. Yeah. And so. This is how we're going to talk about things in the present day by using yeah. the future. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And there's some really great... They, well, they obviously thought it was great themselves because we get a lot of shots of it. But somebody built this massive model of Rome um, where you've got the older buildings like the Colosseum and the Vatican... <laughs> but in, but right like wedged or all around are these big high rise blocks, and they've got little car lights moving along, and stuff like that, and space uh, like sort of UFO type, but they look like UFOs, but I think they're basically it's like a kind of bus or something. I don't know. Yeah, they I know. It's like it's, it's either public in, transportation or yeah. individual <laughs> transportation. Some, but we yeah. we get some great shots of this cityscape. The camera loves panning across it or tracking along following the the journey of this thing flying over the city and we get to see that cityscape several times but it's a fabulous model and it looks like it was probably a fairly decent size as well yeah it, it had to be i will admit that um, almost every review you're going to find of this is going to talk about how unconvincing to a large degree those uh, those miniatures are and i'm well, not gonna i'm not gonna argue that fact yeah. because yeah they aren't but at the same time um they're they're part of they're part of what gives the film a, a kind of wackadoo charm for me I, I i just love this attempt to present a blade runner-esque visual without yeah. any without the money to really pull it off so because they're also that you can see that they're using slide projectors and stuff to project images yes onto some of the buildings like their big billboards and you can actually see the slides changing. You know how in old slide carousels, the slide would go out to one side and then the next one would come in the other side. Oh, I didn't even really of... think about that. It just always, 
because of the because of that weird uh, the the, cha- the the changes of the visuals on those billboards and Blade Runner yeah. always felt like a, a weird shift as well. It just always seemed like yeah you no know, yeah. I never even thought about you know how they were accomplishing it and what and yeah. what what that would mean. But yeah, because I'm I think these days I'm just so used to those damnable electronic billboards along the highway that. Mm change you know the advertising changes every you know every few seconds as well and it's yeah. just like one mo- one image moving to the next it's just like whatever yeah, yeah. another one another one another one but i i'm fairly convinced it was a it's just yeah it's yeah, a, it could it's have a been. slide it could have been. but I, which is great like they are using they they you they don't have much money but they've got you know imagination mm-hmm and and talent i mean I, yes it looks like it, yes it does look like a model but we can appreciate that just in the same way that we can appreciate wild wild planet you know you're just looking at this great art mm-hmm. somebody has built this fantastic model and it must have been heartbreaking when they just had to smash it all up and chuck it in a skip at the end of the film because <laughs> it looks like yeah. it was so much work this is true and um, dardano sacchetti said that it was a, a british artist who came and made it for them i don't know who it was but it's yeah really cool um but yeah shall we talk about the plot yeah i i see i can't wait because like i say this is this is not uh typical of the films that we've been covering in this season because this one this one is um this is kind of uh just a you know continuation of modern day into the future without an apocalypse and therefore it's it kind of doesn't fit but at the same time it is really of a piece with all the other things that we've been talking about Oh, I nearly forgot, sorry, before we get to that, one last amusing side note about Eleonora Brigliadori is that in 1985 she released a single on vinyl called Bala Il Tip Tap. And, um, and the writer of Bala Il Tip Tap was Frank Yankovic, who was the American polka king from Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, Al Yankovic's father. Well, apparently they're not related because I had to look that up. Really? Like, Frank Yankovic. According to the... I mean, it might not be true, but according to the Wikipedia, they're not related. Oh, my goodness. But that seems like too much of a coincidence. But, yeah, so she's done this Italian pop single written by the uh, Cleveland Polka King. And... <laughs> <laughs> which, much much and, competition for that in Cleveland, is there? I know, yeah. And apparently it was the, it was a theme for a TV show, so it might be connected to her TV career. But the B side is called L'amore e un film, which I think means the um, the love of a film or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, you can pick that up should you want on Discogs for one pound twenty nine. So it's clearly not that collectible. <laughs> apparently not. <laughs> but anyway, I just I didn't want to forget that. <laughs> Anyway, okay, Warriors of the Year 2072. So here is the plot summary according to the book. Rome, 2072. Violence reigns supreme. TV stations compete to offer the cruelest programs. One of those, WBS, aware that spectators always want more, decides to launch a new program based on circus games. Now let's just step back a little bit here because before we get to that bit, so the film opens with some um, with us watching some games, mm-hmm. um, which is basically a load of stunt motorcyclists and Claudio Casanelli, who I think he's a, I think he's playing somebody called Cortez, and I think they've kind of darkened his skin a little bit to make him look like he might be Mexican, but he's called Cortez and he is he's like the the producer of this TV station and they they've got this show where Drake, who is the champion um, 
fighter is fighting these other guys and they're all riding around doing tricks and stuff in this arena. Um, so it's established there that Drake is the star, but the rival network has better ratings. So Cortez is getting annoyed and he has he appears to have a boss whose name is uh, was it just Joe was it Joe? Well, I, I can't, can't even remember the boss's name, yeah. But this boss just appears every so often on a screen, on, yeah. On the screen. And um pretty sure his name Oh no, Sam. That was it. Sam. He's uncredited. Um so Sam pops up occasionally and tells him so Sam says, "Right, we've got this idea." We're going to create, uh, we're going to bring back the gladiatorial games. So that's what they decide to do. They're going to launch a new program. It's going to be the most violent and exciting show. It's going to get all the ratings. Um, and they want to have Drake be the star of the show, which for some reason means they have to kill his wife. <laughs> well now okay let's 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 so do you let, want let's, let's, let's fold this in here like, what, what we're looking yeah. at is a kind of a dystopian future where we have uh this strange thing called reality television uh <laughs> that it just seems so alien to what we what we experience here in the, tw- the early 21st century i don't understand and the the show <laughs> i love this show it's called kill bike it's as if they they had yeah. a they had a, a a group meeting and realized that to boil a five year old <laughs> yeah up with yeah. Title. what would be a cool show little johnny kill bike kill okay. bike yes where people <laughs> kill each other on motorcycles yay kill bike mm. uh but <laughs> so we have what is supposed to be i mean we're in rome right it's supposed to be gladiatorial mm. fights to the death on motorcycles now, you know, this is not the first time something like this has been put on film. Hello, George Romero. But at the same time, this is this is a pretty interesting way to to introduce us to an idea of a of a deadly competitive game on television that uh can be both extraordinarily exciting and it look very dangerous and, you know, be something that can hold your attention. It's not it's not unbelievable that a show like this would exist. I mean, like mm. at all? It's no. I mean, I'd I'd watch it. It was cool. Yeah, yeah. And so what we what we end up with is this uh, this search for ratings. This you know this in, incessant desire to to up the ante on either the violence or just whatever it is that mm. will draw an audience to these things. Yeah. And the um, one of the problems they're running into, and of course, this is you know this has reverberations all the way down from rollerball directly which is they have this one star who's mm. so good at this game that he really can't seem to lose yeah and because he's also become like you said like a reality star because he just got married mm-hmm. to he's had his big celebrity wedding to a hollywood star called is that susan i believe um played by valeria cavalli mm-hmm I'm pretty sure that was yeah. That's season. right. That's right. And um, who some people may recognise from a Blade in the Dark. That's the only thing I recognise her from anyway. Um, so they have this lovely home that they live in. That's full of. It's like it was almost like they live in a greenhouse. It's like this kind of futuristic house that's it's got thousands of plants in it, and yeah. they have this Id- Id- idyllic um, life together. And then one day there's a break in at the house. And it, suddenly the film goes a little bit clockwork orange, which I thought was an interesting yeah, twist. Yeah. Where these three guys in white suits turn up um, and basically um, kill her. And then we it sort of cut the film cuts away. Oh, just as Drake comes back, he's, he's sort of outside the house. But then we don't find out what happened next. No, we're because only suddenly, told. We're only told after yeah. the fact what happened, which is that he stumbled upon these intruders in his house, murdering his wife, and went yeah. berserk and killed them all. But we're unsure of the details until later on. Yeah, he's got this laser gun just happily, sort of handily lying around in his house. Um, which apparently you can be sentenced to death for killing the men that have just broken into your house and killed your wife. Which seems a little uh, he strange. needs a, he needs a better lawyer. <laughs> a much better lawyer <laughs> so so then he's thrown into prison but that it's all an elaborate scheme because there's new gladiatorial games that gladiators have to be prisoners apparently well that's what they've so, that well that's what they that's the new show that they've come up with because yeah. this incessant search for for ratings 
has uh, caused them to create a new show, which is essentially Kill Bike, only <laughs> only with uh, prisoners. And so we can yes. we can justify the the deaths and murders of all of these people because they're in prison yeah. for heinous crimes. So that that means they can get Drake to come and be in their show, mm-hmm. um, and they hope to use to motivate him by the hatred that he has for the men who killed his wife to uh, to do all these terrible things and be violent and yeah and so they end up stuff. they end up hooking him up to this machine to to kind of dredge up the you know the the, the memories of the 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 night of his wife's murder and this and it's just, the, I, I, I don't know that you necessarily need to do that, guys. I mean, I would still yeah. be carrying that anger around for decades. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, this is where we meet Sarah uh, Eleonora Brilliadori. Um, I like saying her name, even though I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong, but it's quite fun to say <laughs> Brilliadori. So um, this is where we meet her. Yeah, she's the sort of scientist for the TV station who is probing their memories to find out what's going to be the thing that will make them hate the most. Because then they go into this simulator where it's basically a room with a strobe light and things appear in front of them that they will hate and then kill. That's like their training, is to be in this flashing room. Now, the Blu-ray comes with a warning about epilepsy at the beginning, like seizures could be caused by watching this film. And can you imagine if you'd seen this in the cinema? There's about a, it's like five minutes of strobing. I know it must have caused somebody a problem at some point. Yeah, it's pretty it isn't, bad. It's incessant. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't stop for five minutes. Um, so he's put into this dome uh, to fight, and these three guys in their white suits pop up. It's very good. Like, it looks amazing. They're popping up and they're kind of smiling and quite sinister um, and dancing around in front of him, and he's being told by the the kind of prison warden called Raven. Kill them, shoot them, kill them. And he can't do it. He won't do it. He says he's never fired a gun before. So with and then and Sarah also has been probing his memories. And we're starting to realise now that maybe he didn't kill those guys. Exactly. Meanwhile he meets so hang on, let's go back to the plot summary. I've closed the book. Um he's thrown into jail with a ragtag mob of degenerates among whom the amateur of B-movies will easily recognise some famous faces in the genre, Fred Williamson, Howard Ross, Hal Yamanucci, and Al Cliver. Exactly. So, yeah, he's in with these bunch of criminals, and they all, of course, they don't like him because he's the famous poster boy. He's the famous pretty boy. But eventually, after after beating him up and he won't fight back, they start to realise that their strength comes from working together rather than against each other I, I like how they lean into the idea that there's a um that the, the 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 core the core idea is for them to have these people be like a a group that don't really cohere into a team but that of course is exactly what our main character drake manages to do which is to get them to cooperate to get them to see to to see that that they need to cooperate with each other and of course that isn't drawn out as as effectively as it might have been except in just a couple of scenes but it's enough to give you the the, the idea that the reason that things happen the way they do later in the movie is because of his his form of leadership once he's in insti- yeah. once he's institutionalized with these folks and it's he's basically come into prison and he is now the daddy within about five minutes pretty much <laughs> he has to he has to go through the 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 standard you know jailhouse hazing that uh, yeah. goes along with establishing uh the establishing the hierarchy and getting every, yeah. every everyone to understand where yeah. they fall and where they fall in yeah. it and uh it's it's i have to say it's pre- it's pretty it's pretty effective stuff but it does, is also something you've seen in roughly a thousand prison movies yeah. so <laughs> so they team up and they, i don't want to go into too many spoilers because i if you haven't seen this film you really should and there are a few twists and turns yes there are there's a there's an attempted breakout um, because so Drake's pal, um, um, no, what was his name? Oh, Monk, who his his apparently his mechanic, who we never really see fixing anything, and he's he's a horribly burned face, and he's got like robotic eyes and things like that. Yeah, but um, he's he gives now he gives Drake this magic pill 
that when he swallows it, he can control technology with his mind. Oh man, I'd forgotten about that. Oh yeah. That which only is only really used in one sequence. So maybe, you know, you can swallow that thing, but you can only use it until the next visit to the bathroom, and then you haven't got those powers anymore. once it's out of your system it's over yeah because yeah. i don't think that i don't think whatever he swallowed dissolves i think it just goes straight through but on its way through your digestive system it gives you telepathic control over electronic doors apparently <laughs> uh, so that's quite fun um so there's an attempted breakout but of course as we know that doesn't work no nope. because they have to they have to fight in the games otherwise the audience will want their money back <laughs> Well, I do love, I, I, I do love the the, the 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 middle section of the film is actually pretty darn interesting. It's not as interesting as the last like you know twenty or no. twenty five minutes, but I do yeah. like the whole you know team coming together or attempting to break you know this group group of guys attempting to break out of prison. All mm-hmm. that stuff where we're shown these characters interacting with each other, I really do I really do enjoy because there's a there's a lot going on there and everybody's everybody's playing it as as well as they can and there's a lot mm. of really interesting little bits and pieces along the way uh yeah the uh uh, I, I I like how uh, at a certain point Drake and all the other prisoners realize that the the scumbag uh, uh, Raven the the guy who's kind of in charge of of their little prison cell there uh, there's only so much he can do to them because he can't really harm them because they have to be in the TV show yeah, and they start he, u- and they start using that to get things that they want and that that's, that's a, yeah yeah that's there's a they lot turn going the tables on. on him yeah, yeah they yeah. turn the tables and yeah it's really good. But also, of course, we've got this side plot of Sarah realizing that Drake is innocent and she wants to figure out what's going on and who really killed um, his wife. And so this is where the kind of Jallo element comes in with the mm-hmm. amateur detective. And she goes off to this old church that's slightly futuristic as well on the inside to find her old professor who apparently invented the computer um, that is running this whole thing. Because there's that's one thing we forgot to mention is there's this program called Junior, that is benign apparently, mm-hmm. but is the kind of AI, basically AI gone rogue, that is is behind a lot of what is going on, um, which is funny because I just obviously went to see the new Mission Impossible, which is also about AI going rogue. <laughs> this so is true. Yeah. I thought that was quite interesting, but so she's off solving that, and there are more murders. And let's let's stop for just a moment and think about how, okay, because this is a movie that has so many different elements within it that it's, it's easy to gloss over. I mean, we've all, we, we, we can't talk about every single thing in here. This, this podcast would be about two and a half hours long, maybe three. You can leave, leave that for the bloody pit. (laughs) Exactly. That's what we do over there. But with, (laughs) with this professor Toman character, the, the inventor Mm. of junior, the, uh, the WBS computer system, um, the I I love that the way they they present this character is he's kind of become a mystic guy. That's why he's he's hanging out at this church area. Yeah, playing he, the organ. Yeah, I mean in the moment. Yeah, in the moment he starts talking about his inventions, soul. You realize, holy crap, are we going down that road? And luckily, yes. that's just that's just kind of a a little uh, a little alcove that we take we put one foot in and look around and then back away from. Thank goodness. Yeah, although it does kind of cut right at the end of the film where we find out the truth about junior exactly and, and, so but yeah, and, and which means that be a soul which means that even something as wackadoo as that idea is something that is eventually paid off which is great yeah yeah so yeah so you've got these two competing things and sarah um i mean there's no romantic interest of course and you know drake hopefully is still in, in mourning but there's the suggestion that the two of them may become something in the future um, because Sarah, so the the games start, and I thought these were really well shot. The actual games, it's really cool. Yeah, they're yeah. Um, they're basically bike and sidecar contraptions. So it's it's representing the chariot races, where you've got a motorbike and then a, a sort of cage style sidecar that you stand on, and that does happen for real. I've seen races like like people do sidecar racing like that. So that's a real thing, mm-hmm. and um, the way that it's shot is actually really good. It's quite exciting. There's oh, a lot I, of shots. I think I think all these all the action sequences in the film are really fun. There's a lot yeah. of really good action sequences, especially yeah. in that final half hour. Yeah, they've got the they've obviously got a, a camera truck 
and the bikes are racing very close to it and the camera is quite low to the ground so it's pretty dynamic and and there's speed and there's movement and they're fighting with each other and um yeah i think it's really cool but um i don't want to say too much more but <laughs> i don't want to say too much more about what happens next but so we've got obviously we've got the games who's going to win the games which of the gang is not going to make it to the end <laughs> is sarah going to be able to uncover the mystery behind the murders and junior is cortez a villain or is he actually is he, is it him or not that's open to you know we're not sure um is fred williamson going to make it to the end as in as was always in his contract that he could never be killed off something that al cliver could have perhaps tried to get a few more times into his contracts yeah but yeah. um yeah, there's a lot building up to a quite a good finale, I think. So I really liked this film. It's really fun. I had seen it before for a change, but I really enjoyed watching it again. It's it's really entertaining. Oh, I absolutely love this film. I, I really do enjoy this movie. Every time I go back and rewatch this, I have a blast. And yeah. almost every element of it, even the ones that would get it the most criticism are things that I actually do enjoy. And Let's. Uh, by the way, I think we should probably uh, address one particular thing, which is um, the Running Man idea. Mm. It won't take much thought for anybody to realize that uh, this movie came out in '84, and in 1987, the film The Running Man came out, and it's kind of similar in a lot of different ways. And so, one might think that because one movie came after the other movie, that uh, perhaps the running man was a ripoff of this film and that is not necessarily true at all simply because well a lot of different ideas often just stayed in different places and therefore have a visual similarity and the plot similarity but But the real fact of the matter is that the running man was based on a stephen king uh, story a novel that he published Mm. under his pseudonym richard bachman that came out like two or three years before this movie was made and so it, the Running Man was based on the Stephen King novel and not this film. Not that it might not have taken some visual cues or some ideas from it, just because once <laughs> once a movie is out in the public, I mean, yeah, sure. you know, things do seep into the to the greater filmmaking consciousness. But uh, no, no, uh, the Running Man is not actually a ripoff of this film, except in that it came after and is kind of thematically and. I don't know, plot-wise, similar. But um, remember, all of these things kind of descend from the 10th victim in the first place, from 1965, yeah, which was also it. an adaptation. So, And obviously, Endgame is also quite similar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but according to... I don't want to just be one of those podcasts that reads things off Wikipedia, but just having just looked up The Running Man, apparently um, there was a lawsuit because they said that it had plagiarized a French film called Le Prix de Danger or The Price of Danger I guess uh, from 1983 which was based on a short story from 1958 hmm. and there is also a German TV film from 1970 so it's clearly like the idea of this is it's been around and lots of people have touched on it over the years in various different ways yeah 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 so calling one a rip off of the other is yeah, probably <laughs> stretching things if you yeah. know we we could just enjoy them all. I mean, The Running Man is fantastic. So, mm-hmm. And it obviously had a lot more money to spend as well. I have to admit, so, though, I, I do think I, I like this movie more than I like The Running mm, Man, I have to admit. Yeah, fair enough. I was looking to see like what kind of release it had had. And so it did, have, it did get a VHS release, like I said, in the UK. But I couldn't find any reviews of it at the time. But I did find a variety review. It appears not to have been released at least... I think Variety only re- uh, reviewed stuff that came out in the cinema. So it appears to have come out in 1988, which is when the review was published. So it's wow. five years up. Yeah, five years later. So I just thought I'd read it for you because it's not very good. <laughs> um, it also talks about it being another forerunner of The Running Man. It calls it a meek sci-fi effort from horror maestro Lucio Fulci. Uh, following inadequate model shots of a futuristic cityscape cribbed from the Blade Runner style... Pick posits two rival international TV networks of the future competing for popular violent programming. One has the hit Kill Bike Show. Of, I want a t-shirt that just says Kill Bike. Um, of which, 
Jared Martin is a top competitor in deadly motorcycle battles. Rival networks decide to create the Battle of the Damned. I also want that on a t-shirt. Now, I think Battle of the Damned would have been a better title as well. What a, you know, for a film, that would have been a great oh, yeah. Title. Well, I, I don't know. I always thought that somehow working the word gladiator into a variant, variant yeah. title for this would be good too. But True. Well, I think they did. There was at least one of them. Oh, yeah. Well, de- definitely. Definitely, yeah. yes. But, yeah. Um, so, uh, so, yeah. Boring film focuses on the preparations and arguments concerning the game, which actually does not begin until one hour into the picture key plot element of a renegade computer program responsible for the evil game doesn't work the actual game is modeled after chariot by uh, chariot races with two-man motorbikes used as the modern version the cast including the since deceased claudio casanelli casanelli is operating on half power fulci's fans are bound to be disappointed i mean a bit harsh very harsh in my opinion yes you know i guess from this reviewer writing this in 1988 when he'd probably seen four other films that day he's not the kind of audience that they were necessarily going for with this movie whereas if i had seen this when i was about 10 years old it would have been my favorite film of all time oh well i I, like i said i think i am pretty sure that i saw this sometime in my teenage years and it's stuck in my memory for a long time Mm. till i was able to track it down in the 90s on a bootleg to be able to watch it again so yeah you're you're not you're not far off so i think we should probably leave it there because i don't want to give anything else away like i said but is there anything else that you well i mean I, i think we should take the opportunity really quick to just to just uh compare notes on where we think this falls when we start talking about Lucio Fulci, because to me, this is evidence of Fulci still working at a level that just really makes me very happy. This is him still in that phase of, um, I mean, I mean, because that's one of the funnier things that Dardando Sacchetti talks about in that interview about how unloved this film was by the people who made it, Yeah, which is that, um, uh, Fulci was still riding uh, the crest of the success that he had had with his horror movies, starting with you know starting with Zombie, and uh, had managed to get two contracts at the same time, and was just trying to play one you know trying to play the game oh, yeah. of seeing which one would actually get in front of the camera yeah. first. But to me, yeah, wasn't he planning to shoot them both at the same time? Like, yeah, he thought he had, he had this <laughs> idea that somehow he could manage that. Yeah, that's never going to work out. But the um, the 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 joy of this is this is this is still Fulci, uh, on on that that on that streak in my opinion where yeah. he was so his his career got completely reinvigorated by the success of uh, of of uh, uh, Zombie and the Beyond and all this kind of stuff yeah to the point where we're 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 looking at these movies and realizing oh man this is this is another one during that period you know because he made this mm. uh, after House by the Cemetery and New York Ripper and uh, around the same time that he made uh, yeah Conquest and Murder Rock and all these crazy films that I absolutely love and so to me this is this is before his illness kind of changed things for him and made him Mm. and and made it so that by the late you know by the by the late 80s he's he's a lesser filmmaker because physically so much had been taken away from him and there's a there's where you know for, for for me the my favorite Fulci films are not all are, are not really the horror movies. I love them to death, and that's what I came came to Fulci for. But I'm a huge fan of the thrillers that he made in the '70s uh, to a yeah. large degree, and also the kind you know like you know, Murder to the Tune of Seven Black Notes, and and uh, also love uh, you know Don't Tor- Don't Tor- Torture a Duckling and Lizard in a Woman's Skin, one on top of the other. I, these are the these are the movies that I think of as some of the best work he ever did, and I do love the horror films as well. But mm-hmm. yeah, when you start talking about things like uh, the the weird ones in his early '80s films, like Conquest and this, I, mm-hmm. I love them too because it still feels like a filmmaker who's just bursting with energy and enthusiasm and throwing these things on the screen with as much as much skill and verve as he can manage i just i i i love that whole run even the ones that i don't think of as uh, as the you know better or fantastic films uh like contraband which i i think is 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 a good film but it's not one of my favorites i still look at this whole string of movies um and think wow this is this is a, a an italian director who's luckily being able to really thrive in this period and it just feels very, very um, 
it, it feels almost like a, a perfect synergy between a time when so many of so many things in the film industry were changing, but this man's energy, even as he was getting older, was still running high. Yeah. No. I, yes, you've said it all for me. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, okay. I agree. I agree entirely. <laughs> Yes, I mean, yeah, he's still he's still going strong at this point, and it's it's really great to see. Um, there was one thing I did notice that I wanted to mention with this film. That obviously, yeah, they they're, they're doing the special effects on the budget that they had. But did you notice every time there was a, an optical process shot? Because quite often they were looking at monitor screens and they can see people talking on the monitor screens, mm-hmm. which is you know, which is sort of laid on optically. Whenever you got one of those optical process shots, there were like three or four quite big black splodges on the screen. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Like they were obviously just in the printer and nobody cleaned it between shots or just noticed or it was too late when they did it. But every single process shot, it's like there's a fly just on the screen just, it's like something's something suddenly landed on your telly yeah but it's there every time you're right and, you're right um, that was quite funny to see that but again i don't really mind you know it just it's a nice reminder of how they were working under quite difficult conditions and you know they're they're doing what they can you know so anyway um right i want we need to get I want to finish things off here but i just wanted to mention we've had some listener some listeners contact us which is always nice. Please do get in touch. So remember last time I played that little game with you looking at different countries and who was listening. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, somebody on Instagram got in touch. Uh, so hello to you, Forest Walking. Um, and they said, just listening to the new episode, curious to know how many listeners from Finland. So Forest Walking is from Finland. So that's pretty cool. So um, I was able to then tell them 71 i couldn't tell how many listeners but i can tell them downloads and at this point when i spoke to them two weeks ago we'd had 71 downloads um so i asked them if that was all them i don't think we've had 71 they can't be because we haven't done 71 episodes no no we haven't so they replied i'm based in finland i'm new to the podcast i only listened to about five episodes so there must be at least two of us here so I suggested they get together and start a fan club. Um, <laughs> yes, our first, but, our first fan club, yeah. and it will be in Finland. So that's this would suggest to me that we have at least three listeners in Finland. So hello out there in Finland. Please do get in touch. We'd love to hear what, like where you are, how you found us, what films you like, anything like that. It's really, you know, it's one of the reasons that podcasting is so exciting. And I know you get a lot of feedback on the bloody pit from people all over the world. And it is really cool. It's, it's fun. And it's very, it, it is the kind of thing that, that reignites your enthusiasm for doing a show. When, when yeah. you do realize that there are people out there that are really engaged. We had one email. I wanted to just quickly read from Tom, um, who also signs himself uncle Bella. Hmm. And he, uh, he says, hello, Adrian. Hello, Rod. Just a quick message to say that I always enjoy all of your podcasts. Great subject, theme choices, informative and fun comments, nifty sounds. Can, I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> Continued, continue. That might be the background noise. Like the, I, the I, don't, I don't know. I would, I would take that as a compliment for your choice of odd clips. Yes. Yeah, I'm recording this in the attic and there's been a seagull walking around just above me on the roof. Oh, I've been able to hear it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Continue success, stay frosty, and all best wishes in all your efforts. If there's ever anything I can ever help with, um, please feel free, because I am an utter film geek with loads of stuff and too much time on my hands <laughs> as a rule. Well, thank you, Uncle Bella. Um, and yeah, if you've got film suggestions, season suggestions, or just comments on films that we've covered or films you think we should cover that we haven't, because we are only doing 10 films in this season and there's there's plenty more than 10 that we could have gone with so oh yeah and i should i should point out that for fulci fans uh, later this summer i'll be uh, doing an episode on the bloody pit with uh, my friend troy and my uh my friend jeff we're going to be talking about conquest so for uh-huh. for fulci fanatics we'll be talking yes. probably for far too long about conquest right. later this summer excellent yeah we've got two films left both from 1984 like this one that we've just done a Man Called Rage and The Final Executioner. 
which are both films that currently I know very little about. So I'm going in cold on, on both of those. So that'll be fun. Um, following those two, we will do a quick sort of wrap up episode where we rank the films. And um, but that would be good if you've got any feedback for us on that episode about films you think we could have also included and what you know, but also just what you think of the films that we have done. Any feedback gratefully received. You can get in touch with us, wildwildpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at the wild wild pod or on uh, Instagram as well, which is also the wild no what are we called on instagram uh well just wild wild podcast it's too much it's too too many places um but yeah do let us know uh what you think we should be doing and all of that uh it's good to hear from you so we will be back again probably realistically in about a month because it's the summer now and there's stuff going on (laughs) but uh, we will try and get this uh, these next two episodes done fairly soon because we're very keen to get into those uh those those jungle um swamps and uh verdant forests to uh, ex- explore that particular <laughs> okay so so but your descriptors there honestly made me think that you were you were alluding to uh the the private areas of a jungle girl who was nude so rod was bringing the tone down I, that, that is not true but <laughs> hey i did i did want to say before we get out of here take a good look at these contestants because for these men violent death is just seconds away <laughs> uh yes i mean i would watch that show so i you know just of as course. bad as the rest of them just as bad as the rest of them okay uh please remember to rate us on your podcast platform of choice and subscribe and tell your friends um how about writing wild wild podcast on the side of walls with spray paint anything to get the word out there would be greatly appreciated tag us so that people will wonder just what in the world we are (laughs) yeah no don't break any rules we don't want that unless you live in a post-apocalyptic wasteland in which case feel free to spray as much as you like now, if you've if you've recently spotted Snake Plissken, then yes, it's you're free to do so. <laughs> okay. uh, thank you, Rod, for being here again, and thank you everybody for listening. We will be back soon. Have a great summer. Bye for now. Bye, everyone. <laughs>